Hello, and welcome to Wenatchee in the Word, a podcast ministry of Ridgepoint Baptist Church. Our purpose is to help each one of us grow more in love with God by studying and meditating on His Word. We're glad you joined us today. Now, let's see what the Bible has to say. Welcome back to Wenatchee in the Word. Um, I hope you guys are excited to dive back into the book of Judges with us. We are now uh, continuing in chapter 2, I believe. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, starting in verse 11. So I'm going to ask uh, Rebecca to read the first few verses, and then I'll stop you in just a moment. Um, so ver- go ahead and read like verses 11. Just start in verse 11. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord, forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about them so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. All right, so we're already getting into um, what we're about to cover in today's episode, verse 11 to the end of the chapter, uh, is really kind of like a synopsis of what's what we're going to consistently see take place in the rest of the book. The rest of the book is specifically how this take pl- takes place through stories, and in just a moment, the verses we're going to read are going to mention judges. The rest of the book kind of unpacks who those judges are, what they did specifically in the nation of Israel. Um, But what we see here is a synopsis of the cycle that we're going to see the nation of Israel go through consistently. It is an awful cycle. (laughs) Mm. Already it starts out, the first the first step of the cycle is rebellion against God, or sin. As we saw in verse 11 and verse 12, it says they did evil in the sight of the Lord. They served another God. It says they forsook the Lord God of their fathers that had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed other gods, the gods of the people that were all about them, and they bowed themselves to those gods, and it provokes the Lord to anger. So, God knows the false that these false gods can do nothing for his people. He knows that all of the practices that they are following are going to naturally get naturally get them to a place of ruin. And so it gets him angry at the fact not not so much like a lot of people think when they read that man God's just an angry god, he's always that mad at his people. But really, he's not mad at his people. He's mad at the sin that is ruining his people. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, you know, with me as a a dad, if I were to um, if I were to get angry at my daughter Felicity for running out, you know, almost getting hit by a car, it's not so much that I'm mad at her but that I'm mad at the situation or mad at her decision in the situation that could have caused her hurt. I know what what could take place in that moment. And 
And though what I do, especially if she actually was going to get hit and I went and like tackled her to the ground to get out of the way, you're not going to look at me and go, man, I can't believe that terrible, angry father just tackled his daughter. <laughs> you're you're going to be like, oh, wow, he loved her so much. He did something to, te- you know, first of all, save her and then teach her a lesson that you don't do that. Uh, and it might have looked in anger because I was I either yelled or got onto her very strictly or did something uh, very harshly to save her. Uh, but it's not because I'm angry at her, but it's because of my love for her that I'm angry at the decision that she might have made. Yeah, it's fatherly instincts. It's you want you want what's best for your children, and you know that they can do better, and you know that they they got themselves in this situation, but you want to help them get out of it <laughs> and help them not be um, where they are because of their own choices. He knows the false gods can do nothing for them. Yeah. He knows bowing down to the false god cannot give them peace, cannot give them fulfillment, cannot give them the blessings that he could, could not give them victory over the people that might oppress them. He knew that, and he's angry at their decisions to basically walk in the way of ruin. And because of that, it says his anger was hot against them and delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them and sold them into the hands of their enemies round about and they couldn't, uh, to where they could no longer stand before their enemies. And anywhere they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord said, uh, he had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. So what that all unpacks is kind of what we said in the last episode, that um, God just kind of let the natural consequences of their bad decisions play out. And ultimately, that's really the next step of the cycle is that they sinned, okay, and then they they suffer. Yep, they're overrun by their enemies, and God told them that was what's going to happen, what was going to happen. Yeah, they find they're oppressed or they're um, they're made slaves uh, or or you know sometimes they start to have to pay some kind of high tax like a a wheat tax or anything like that to the people they're serving. Uh, because of their bad decisions. And so we, the cycle pretty much goes like this. They sin, they rebel against God. Because of that sin, consequences come of oppression or, um, or suffering underneath uh, the people that come against them. Uh, and then the next step, though, is then they cry out to God. Um, because, they, because of their situation, they cry out to God, and specifically, I'm going to skip a few verses because it, it says what God does for them, but it tells us why he does it at the end of verse 18. It says, It repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. So the next step is normally they call out to God. Um, some people call this step supplication because they like to keep them all with S's. Sin, then suffering, then supplication. They cry out to God. They repent. They ask God, God, would you help us? We're oppressed right now. And because of God's heart of love and mercy and grace for his people, then we see the last step of the cycle, which is this, salvation. God saves them. So he raises up a judge, okay? Um, Judges are deliverers. Judges are um, people that uh, would come to rule in uh, Israel. The 
the judges in Israel, they did a lot of things. They had a wide variety of responsibilities, but uh, they decided disputes. They handed down verdicts. Um, they attempted to carry out their judgments by defending the righteous and by punishing the wicked. We find that in some other verses of Scripture. Judges even uh, appointed military leaders who were empowered by the Spirit of God. We see Gideon do that in a few chapters uh, to so that people could fight against the enemies uh, and deliver God's people. And uh, and ultimately, when Israel got a king in First and Second Samuel, we see those things take place. The king kind of took on the role of what judges did through this time of their history. But um, but God would raise up judges. It says in verse sixteen that delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet, <laughs> yet they would not hearken unto their judges. <laughs> But they went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And isn't that, isn't that interesting <laughs> that sometimes the judges came from God, God would give them a judge, and yet it would take them a little while to follow the judge. But what I find interesting is once they did start following him, I love the next verse that says, when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. In verse 19, it says, It came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. Yeah, every time a judge is raised up, they follow them as long as they're alive, and then as soon as the judge is gone, they're like, oh, we don't know what to do now. What should we do? <laughs> it's like they forgot everything, and they went back to their stubborn ways, like it said. Yeah, anytime they had a judge, they were close to the Lord. Yeah, and I think that comes down to they didn't have, they themselves didn't have a real relationship with God. They were holding on to the relationship that the judge had with God and and I mean, I feel like you could definitely apply that to yourself, like whether that's holding on to the faith that your parents have or the faith that your pastor has or someone in, um, you know, that's um, spiritually above you. And when they stumble or fall or when they die or whatever, when the their influence isn't in your life anymore and you lose that, then all of a sudden you lose your whole faith because your faith was never grounded in what it should have been grounded in. Yeah, it's a great application for, um, I see all the time, too often we put our faith more so in a man or in a person than we do in the God that that person is serving. And if that person passes away, or sadly just because of the world that we live in, sometimes if that person fails to do what they're supposed to do, uh, whether that's like a pastor failing morally or... Um, or, you know, someone you just look up to, um, sinning in a great way for whatever, whatever the case might be, many times our faith is completely shaken and it's hard for us to move forward in our relationship with God, or we turn away from God like the children of Israel did because our faith was put too much in that person. Um, however, that's not to say that we should never have godly influences in our life. Um, we shouldn't also, we, another thing we could learn from this is like, don't underestimate 
the power of godly influences in your life. Sometimes one of the best ways to stay close to the Lord is to be around other godly people. Yeah, it would be really discouraging if you were trying to walk with God and you had nobody else to encourage you and to be there to walk walk those that path with you. Um, you know, just being in church and being around other believers um, can really help you in your walk with God. And, um, you know, a lot of times I feel like you see people who the first thing they do when they take a step from God is they aren't at church anymore. And maybe they, you know, are like, well, I'm still having church at home or whatever. They're, they're still reading their Bible, which is great. But when you take yourself self away from other believers and you're not in that sphere of influence of godly people, it's really easy to um, slip up in other areas of your life and you all of a sudden are so far away from God and you never, you just didn't realize how you even got there. Yeah, it's it's definitely great to have that support um, and help from other people who know the Lord and are trying to honor the Lord. Uh, and I love how you mentioned church. And if you're one of the listeners that's from Wenatchee but doesn't go to our church, what what are you doing? You should come to our church. It's Ridgepoint a great Baptist place. Church. <laughs> Ridgepoint Baptist Church. Put a little plug there. It's a great place uh, to find other like-minded Christians. Uh, who are just trying to move forward for the Lord and be able to uh, kind of have this influence in each other's lives that we're able to consistently move forward. And yet again, still remembering that our faith should be more so in God than just a person or a group of people, um, so that when things happen in another person's life or um, a person passes away, that then our faith remains because it's in the God who remains. Um, and uh, we'll we'll kind of come back to that as our final application in just a moment. But we see this cycle of the children of Israel. They sin, they suffer because of their sin, they call out to God and repent and ask Him to uh, show grace and mercy and deliver them. And so then He raises up a judge and saves them. The judge uh, delivers Israel out of the hand of whoever was oppressing them. But then when the judge died, they then corrupt themselves again, as it says in verse 19, and they go back to doing just whatever they want to do, and they're stubborn in their own way. And then the anger of the Lord is hot against Israel again, and says, Because this people has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice, I will not henceforth drive out any from before them of their nations, which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein, as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. So again, we see the Lord just allowing the natural consequences of their decisions to play out um, because uh, really that's that's the punishment that's going to come, is the natural consequences of these people oppressing them and being a thorn in their side, as he said at the beginning of the chapter, uh, and, and really just uh, causing them a lot of problems. And what we see, and what we're going to continue really to see as it kind of drives the narrative of the whole book is that God's people, Israel, they live way below their privileges as God's people. 
Israel could have lived in victory during this period just as they did in the days of Joshua. But but what they what they really needed to come to realize, and I hope what we'll realize as we go through the book, is that spiritual victory doesn't come, as God says in Zechariah, by might or by power. Victory comes by my spirit, is what he says. Um, the words, the spirit of the Lord came upon him, they appear six times in the book of Judges. And every time that it says that, it's followed by the Lord's deliverance. It's followed by victory for God's people. And just a reminder that if we want spiritual victory, then we need the Spirit of God in our lives. And so we need to have that personal walk with the Lord so that those who we follow or uh, look up to or have those godly influences in our life, when they pass away, when something happens, they fail, our faith is not shaken, we remain because our faith is in the God that remains, and and really the way that we stay out of falling into the same cycle of sin and suffering and calling out to God and then Him saving us, which sounds all too familiar. We all often go through that cycle, right? Mm-hmm. But how do we stay away from consistently going in that cycle? Well, I think the application would be we just consistently stay close to the Lord. We consistently walk in the Spirit, and then, as he says in uh, Galatians, I believe it is, says, when you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Um, so if we're walking in the Spirit and abiding in the Spirit of God, then we're not going to consistently be in this cycle. We're going to see uh, fruit that remains, and we're going to see a relationship that remains. So I hope that we would take that to heart today as we move forward and uh, and try our best to just rely on the Spirit of God so that we're not consistently going through the cycle of sinning and suffering because of our sin and then having to call out to God, although He is faithful and just to forgive us that sin and to save us from it and to give us the grace and mercy. But instead of consistently going through that cycle, how about we just rely on the Spirit, consistently walk with the Lord, and move forward knowing that he wants us to have faith in him. Amen. (laughs) Amen. All right. So we'll leave you with that. And we hope to see you all on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe to it or share it with your friends. You can hit that share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media. And if you're from the Wenatchee area, we'd love to see you at Ridgepoint sometime. Find out more about our ministry at wenatchechurch.com. Thanks again for listening. God bless.